Morata Sports, the local sports leader, Bigley and Morata. Social Studies, brought to you by Carol Royce, Keller Williams Realty East Valley. Get more money selling your home. Go to higherprice.com. That's higherprice.com. All right, so if you were sitting around the office this morning or sitting around home drinking coffee and a, a question occurred to you, what dumb questions did Jared Carlin think of today? <laughs> We've got an answer for you. This is it. Stay tuned. It's Social Studies with Sarah Gazelle, hey, live from Tucson. we got a whole hey. segment. <laughs> we got a whole segment of dumb questions and live from Tucson, indeed. Yes. Live from Tucson. We are any, covering any prob- the state today. Any, any troubles? Any no neighbors banging on the, the doors or the... Walls. No, no uh, room cleaning. No, no one's you know banged on the door. No one's interrupted. I have had a couple of little Wi-Fi dropouts here and there, but um, I mean I'm doing the show in my pajamas on the couch, and oh, I, I'm feeling pretty good. I about hope you have a complimentary yeah. continental breakfast waiting for you at the end of this. I doubt that I will. It stops at 10 a.m. Um, do you want to have uh, breakfast yeah. waiting for me when I get back to Phoenix? Yes. No? Meet me at the station. Okay. Cool. Oh, perfect. I think they okay. brought in donuts. All right, everyone. Oh, oh, I missed the, the Friday donuts. Oh, the best donuts ever. Let's do social studies, everyone. Uh, we are on Twitter at Bickley underscore Murata, And you guys were just talking about the Cardinals and their final game. Uh, mercifully, their final game of the season uh, playing San Francisco on Sunday. We're just asking this open-ended question to start off. What are you looking for? What are you watching for in this final game? The clock to hit zero. I'm watching for more of David Blau against a really good defense. Um, that's probably it for me. I want to see and, and the, that and just just JJ Watt love the, the JJ Watt departure. The the love, yeah that that I think is the corollary. How David Blau plays, how JJ Watt is received, and just kind of the vibe off the team once it's all said and done. Sure, pay some homage to to JJ Watt as he. Plays his final game. We hope he'll play. Uh, he's got the groin, but I, I assume right. he's going to be out there at least for a few plays before he, he calls it a career. And yeah, let's see what David Blau can do against a much better, dangerous defense than he saw last week in Atlanta. Yeah, it, it'd be hard to imagine, even though he was limited in practice yesterday, it would be hard to imagine him not playing on Sunday. Uh, dude in the desert just wants to see how David Blau looks. And see if J.J. Watt can maybe get another sack. That is about it, he says. Andy Page wants to pay his respects to J.J. Watt. Thank you and farewell, 99, with a cute little gif of him smiling. J-Rod Cards is looking at the 49ers. He says, Brock Purdy, exclamation point, hometown guy. Yes, the 49ers quarterback. Uh, Perry High School. Played his high school ball at Perry. Um, Marcus says, even though I hate the 49ers the most, I really hope they blow out the Cardinals because that way there is no doubt that this team cleans house Monday morning. Although, as you guys pointed out earlier in the show, what's done is done. The decision's already been made. This Sunday's game isn't really going to impact it. You you both believe. Oh, gosh, no. Yeah, no. No. I, I, I really would hope that this has already been decided. And even if it hasn't, what yeah. happens on the field on Sunday in Santa Clara is not going to impact that ultimate yeah. decision. Yeah, with all of the insanity that's happened this year, wouldn't it be wild if it really actually did come to this last game of the season? That's hard to believe. Uh, And then GS says, J.J. Watt's final sack, 
that is all. That is what they will be looking for. All right, let's get to our next question. I believe it was actually just in the last segment. Uh, we were talking about the NFL postseason home field advantages and disadvantages, you know, pertaining, pertaining to the playoffs. Dan Bickley, you, you love yourself an outdoor weather game. I do. Whereas Vince Morata, who used to co-host this show, he uh, hates when weather impacts. That was a different year he was here. <laughs> he's been, right. he's been here the whole year. Yes, and then there's now there's... But good for him also. Yep, and there's the potential what, of... What, Jared? Ta- there's the potential of the taking away of home field advantage in the uh, different rounds of the playoffs now. Yes. Okay, so we are asking, open-ended, and this doesn't have to be limited to the NFL, across all sports... Which team has the best home field advantage and why? Oh, that's a good question. Um, I would say in football, I've I've always thought the uh, Superdome in, in New Orleans is huge. Seattle is huge. Kansas City is huge. Those to me are, uh, they say Lambeau. I think that's more weather related. Uh, so those three in the sure. NFL, in soccer, uh, the U.S., I'm sorry, the, the Mexican national team at Estadio Azteca is pretty significant. Um, that's probably about it. Wow, I... What about you, Tim? You know, as a guy who spent a lot of time at Lambeau Field, that used to be, there was something, not only weather-related, Bic, which is obviously a huge part of that, but there was some nostalgia there where that team just felt invincible. I think that's gone a little bit right now. I, I would I would, I would, would lean towards the Kansas City Chiefs at Arrowhead, which also can be rather mm. weather-related. Trust me, I, I've been on the sidelines. It's freezing in that stadium, even when it's not freezing outside. It's just always, it's always cold and miserable there. In the NBA, that's a that's a kind of a tough one, right? I mean, Boston maybe. Um, it's hard to really mm. look at NBA teams and say, okay, you know that that, that group's got a great home court advantage. I, I, I don't know. The Suns maybe at one point did prior yeah. to last year, but. Yeah. yeah, I, I think mean, the only NBA submission we got was the Warriors when they were at Oracle in Oakland. Chase Center is picking up steam a little bit, but it's it's not nearly the same as it was when it was in Oakland. Yeah, but I mean, uh, Chris that, submitted the Warriors. That that Warriors team could have played at the park, and they they would have <laughs> they would have had a, a home court advantage. They were so good <laughs> during that era. So Canine Carter says Fenway Park because huh. of the odd shapes, the okay. wall. And da people's accents. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Daylight Daylight Films taking a shot at uh, the Cardinals. He says any visiting team in Glendale the past couple years has had the best home field oh, advantage ouch. in sports. Ouch, sir. Ouch. Sticking it. Uh, the Broncos says pancake. They make the other team play in thinner air. <laughs> I like the way he phrases that. Uh, GCU basketball got a shout out from Cooper. GCU Arena is a pretty insane place. And then Dave Leonard says, not one team in particular, but the home court advantage in college basketball is greater than any other sport. Would you guys agree with that? Or do you think NFL takes the cake? Basketball, they're much closer to the court 
football. There are many more people. It just it depends on the venue. Is my answer. I I think in most cases it would be a basketball game, but but the right football environment I think is just as much. But there's something there's something more comfortable about playing on your home court in basketball, whether it's shooting or just confidence. In the NFL, I think that's negated because of the size of the stadium. Like mm-hmm. nobody's nobody's like, hey, the I feel better with the end zones here. I feel better with the goalposts here. No, it doesn't work. But in basketball, mm-hmm. I feel better with these rims, the backdrop of the rims, the hoop, the bounces. That's why I think basketball, yeah. by and large, has the edge there. Yeah, I assume we don't have time, Jarrett, to get we to our not, final question about. We could revisit it later. Okay, maybe. Kellen Olson is, is here next. Yeah. All right, we'll revisit that later on. Yeah, is that the question? And, uh, about the greatest coincidences yes. in your life? Well, we can do that in off. Yes. Grid. How about that? Okay. Right. All right, coming Absolutely. up on the other side. Also, thank you, Sarah. Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. Thank you. Uh, mock my world update. Uh, it is. It is. Dang near a three-way tie. Yeah, Sorry really? to bring you out of this thing. Yes, vote on Twitter at Bickley underscore Murata. Right now, Dan Bickley, you have 29.6% of the vote. Jarrett has 29.4. I have 29.2. That's I've never seen anything like yeah. it. Yes, What's you've got two hours yeah, left to was, vote. Uh, what was Fun names to say. There. I'm like 11%. Uh, 11.8%. My names, 11. 11. My names are great. I don't know what the heck is going on here. <laughs> well, I only question 11. the sanity. I, I question the sanity uh, of the, of the listeners. Yeah, okay. 11.8% is a surge. You were at 56 when the show started. <laughs> Thank you, Sarah. We appreciate you. <laughs> Thanks, guys. People are wising right. up, yes. Jared. That is Social Studies oh, with no. Sarah Cazell. As Sarah told you, when we come back, we're going to get some real insight on the Phoenix Suns. KO Kellen Olson joins us on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Bickley and Marotta Mornings. Happy Friday, everybody. Dan Bickley here. Tim Ring filling in for the vacationing Vinny. He'll be back on Monday. Phoenix Suns back in action tonight at Footprint Center. And our next guest, he will be there, as he always is, providing expert insight and analysis. He is the one, the only Kellen Olsen. KO, what's happening, man? Hey, Dan, Tim. Good to talk to you. All right. So where do we I guess we should begin here because the last couple of games is a weird mishmash. There wasn't a whole lot of want to in that game against the Knicks. There was a lot more urgency against the Cavs, yet there was more recurring crunch time issues. Where are we at with this basketball team? What is important for them to lay down tonight? I think Dan, it just comes down to consistency and finding consistent progress. I think that surely you would like to see overnight that they turn back into the team from last year, but I just don't think that's realistic right now, especially with the injury uh, situation that's going on right now. And I think that the way in which the stretch has gone right now, where they're 4-12 and in their last 16 games, I think that they've been able to um, find something here and there. Uh, there was the overtime loss to Denver and then the, the win over the Memphis Grizzlies. It was two games in a row where it was like, all right, they're starting to get back on the right track a bit. And then they had three straight losses that, that were back to the, the terrible nature we had seen a bit earlier. I, I think we saw in Cleveland a little bit more, or, or not a little bit, I should say, far more of, of the fight and just the overall energy that we would expect from this team on a night-to-night basis. And I think just getting that every night is going to be a start because the bottom line is, if there was ever a time in their season when they needed to play like that, it, it would be right now. When they are shorthanded, when they are in the toughest part of their schedule. So I think that's the start and where you want to see, what you want to see from this team over the next month. I think that obviously 
with how many games they're losing, their positioning in the standings. I think people want to see some wins, but I don't think we can even start there, Dan, to be honest. I think we just have to start with the fight and just their their consistency over the stretch of a couple of games before we get there. Yeah, Kellen, you know, you, you look at the upcoming schedule and the way the Suns have played on the road. I, I think there's a heightened importance on these two home games this week against uh, Miami and Cleveland. I want to ask you about how Monty is deploy, uh, deploying guys, uh, not only on the bench, but in the starting lineup. We've seen Jock Landell start to combat Memphis's size, and we've seen Dario get a run here. If you're Monty, put your head coaching hat on. Where, where, do you, where do you think the Suns would be best served from a starting lineup standpoint, the way this thing is going right now, and then a bench rotation? I mean, what, what, what do you think would, would work best? Right. Uh, first things first, and I, I am not Monty Williams, and Monty Williams knows far more about basketball. So whenever I get these types of questions, I'm always going to cite that. With, with that be with that being said, and with that in mind, something I've been talking about the last couple of weeks, and something that I think Suns fans have come together on as well, is the idea of not of not matching for size anymore. You did mention Jock Landell. You did mention Dario Sarge. That's something where even Tory Craig starting. While Cam Johnson has been out, I think that's been something where they're trying to get as much size on the on the floor as they can at the four spot, and, and rightfully so because there's a fear of them just getting out rebounded. And if you look at the main thing that was at their crux at the start of this run when they've been playing such poor basketball, it was their physicality and the lack of it. So getting more size on the court is a plus. But with that being said, I think that Josh Akogi and, and Damian Lee have been two of their best players over this stretch. I know that that's not saying much, but you're looking for that consistency anywhere you can get it. And I think getting those two guys as many minutes as possible is something you want to look for. And, and it was interesting in Cleveland how Dario Sarch did start, but he didn't start in place of Devin Booker. He started in place of Torrey Craig. And, and Torrey Craig has just had had a down year overall, which is, a, which is a crazy thing to say because you look at him statistically, he's having a career year shooting from three. And typically, three and D wings like Torrey Craig at their three-point shot that's normally hit or miss and streaky is consistent, you're getting what you want out of him, but defensively he's just in a really tough spot with what the team is at right now, which is they've been one of the worst defensive teams in the league, and and structurally he hasn't really been able to fit into that, and then offensively they're just playing off of him so much that it's really cluttering the space for Chris Paul and Mikel Bridges and DeAndre and wherever they can get it in a way that doesn't happen when you have Devin Booker on the floor at the same time. So I think that there there are elements of their starting lineup and their rotation they can tweak, and the main one that I would suggest and the one that I would want to is just more playing time for a Kobe and Lee. Yeah, I, I'm definitely down for that as well. Um, in talking to Al McCoy and others, there's and, and my my frustration with DeAndre Ayton, it's bubbling up all over again. And I know this isn't just a him kind of issue, but but I, I see him as a guy that could really lift this team up right now. And 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 it's it's back to the up down up down. Is there any legitimacy? Is there any point in maybe trying to tweak the offense and engage him on the blocks and feed him the ball and back off and just tell him, let him, this is you. You you create, you attack. Is that ridiculous? Is that something you think might be, maybe should be considered? Yeah, I definitely think it should be considered. And, and I've said this on our podcast. When Dev Booker went down, I think that they were in a spot right now with the way 
that the form that Chris Paul is in right now, DeAndre Ayton should be taking 20 shots a game. And and this is the age-old discussion that we always have with him where how much of that is on the design of the offense and how much of that is on DeAndre himself and just how much is he engaging, how much is he establishing position, all that kind of stuff. Well, I think we've seen in the last couple of weeks how he's just much more willing to take that mid-range jumper. And, and again, part of this is probably him being told, hey, if you have 14 feet and the guy is giving you a feet or two of space, just take the jumper. We're at that point right now offensively where we're just looking for any signs of consistency. And, and that's one where DeAndre is money at that mid-range jumper. And sometimes it's a shot that's a little out of rhythm in the offense. But now it's one of their best options right now with, with what they've got going offensively, the lack of what they've got going, I should say. And I think, Dan, it kind of goes back to more of what you're saying, which is where you don't need to run that many complicated motions to throw in the block within uh, the ball within 14 feet or on the block and let him get to work. And I think more of that consistently is something that they should be looking to do. And it, and I think that's the, the biggest question is how much is it reinventing their offense and how much of their offense are they willing to reinvent for a couple of weeks here. Uh, but, the, but the bottom line is you look up and down their roster from a talent perspective and who's capable of what right now. And if there's anyone capable of being their number one most nights offensively, I think right now the guy, the guy questionably is, is DeAndre Ayton. Well, he only had 12 shots against the Cavs, and this is not just us saying it. Monty said it after the game, right, Kellen? Like, we got to do a better job of, of getting him more shots. Now, Mikel Bridges had plenty of shots that game. He just didn't make many of them. He was 3 for 15, you know, including missing the game winner, which, you know, optically was a good shot. I mean, it's a shot Mikel Bridges can make. But, Kellen, just I know it's been a couple days, but as we springboard a Mikel Bridges conversation here, what did you think about the Suns' decision to go to Mikel uh, in that situation at that point of the game? And where are you at right now with Mikel's vacillating offensive output game to game? Because it's getting, unfortunately, they need him now, and the numbers aren't there to drive home victories offensively for Mikael Bridges. I liked the look, and I know that's a really unpopular opinion, but if you look up and down the roster and who else you would want taking that shot, I think there are Suns fans being dramatic and saying anyone else but him with the way that he was shooting the ball. But I think Chris Paul is the other guy you would have considered getting the ball, but he's getting trapped as soon as he touches it. There's two seconds left. He's trying to make a pass. They knew that was coming, so they were trying to set up someone off the inbound, and they got Mikel Bridges in a spot where he normally hits that shot eight, nine times out of ten, and I'll take that look every day of the week, even in this current state of the offense, even in this current state of his inefficiency where Mikel just hasn't been as efficient as he normally is with with the amount of shots that he's taking in this game. I I like to look, there's four seconds left. If you can get a a semi an uncontested shot from anywhere within 25 feet with four seconds left on the sideline and out of bounds play. I'm taking it from pretty much anyone. And he got it within 14 feet in the spot he's known for hitting shots for. So I, I don't care what he's shooting in the game. I like the look. I think the thing that we're learning about Mikel is, is the limitations of his game. And I, and I say limitations very lightly here because we're talking about a guy who's second in the league in minutes, total minutes right now. Mm-hmm. And you can just see the wear and tear of, of not only yeah. that, but just the defensive responsibility that he holds every game and now that he's doing even more offensively it just looks like it's physically taking taking something out of him right now and I think that it it's just him kind of getting pushed too far and I think we're kind of learning along maybe with him and with with everyone else uh, around right now that asking him to be a guy that takes 14 15 shots a game maybe isn't something that's realistic right now especially within what they're doing offensively. It's different if it's not being forced out of him, but it is being forced out of him right now. And that's just an unnatural way 
for him to go about the process, I'll admit I was wrong. I thought it was going to be a lot more natural process with Devin Booker or when Cam Johnson actually went down. I, I spotlighted Mikel as the first guy, and I was like, this is a guy that should, they should try and get him 13, 14, 15, 16 looks a game and see if a guy who shoots 50% from the field, who shoots 50% from mid-range, 40 from three, 75% at the rim, that type of guy, see if that efficiency translates on more shots, and it just hasn't. It, it just has yeah. I think it might later in I his agree. career, but right now I think they're just asking for too much out of him. But then again, guys, who else are they going to ask for it out of? Uh, yeah, they, they just need to see him kind of trudge it out here, for, for lack of a better word, and, and see what he can get. they can get out of the situation. And maybe he can start to find some of that efficiency as he gets more and more used to this over the next couple of weeks. All right, last question is I t- attempt to reconcile what I read from Brian Windhorst about Robert Sarver's veto power and whether or not that's being implemented and James Jones. Jones's slippery denials on the same subject. I keep going back to what you said about how there's a couple of windows here that James Jones has to kind of choose, and it's whether the now Chris Paul window or the one after, and I think that's very, very smart and really strikes at the core of the matter. What should be realistic? What should Suns fans be expecting, watching, thinking about as the trade deadline nears? I think it it really ranges, Dan, and I don't. I, I think that's going to be an unpopular answer, but I would not be surprised if they didn't do much. I would not be surprised if they did a lot, and and that goes in line with sort of what you're saying. Where if they kind of want to look at this year not as a reset year, not as a tank year, stop sending me screenshots of Victor Wembanyama in a Suns jersey, please. This team is trying to win, and they are, and they are not going to look at it. Can you imagine telling Devin Booker in March, hey? So, yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah, we're going to remember when we sat here at Bledsoe in like your second year. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, uh, we're doing that too now, bud. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Th- th- that's not happening, especially with the, with the way this team is designed to win. So I, with that said, I think that they could look at this year as just with everything that has gone on from an injury perspective from the whole Jay situation and everything, and not just call it shock necessarily, but just look at it and say, let's not make anything too dramatic in season right now. Let's sort of wait for that for next year and kind of just not look at this as a lost year, but see what the guys can do in the playoffs. And if nothing clicks together, that is another indication that we need to do something serious. In the off season, when we have more flexibility now, Dan, of course, you and I had these types of conversations nine months ago when we were talking about doing it last off season, but last year, here, here we are again. But then again, if they deem it as urgent and they really, really want to believe that they can still win a championship with Chris Ball, this is the year to do it. So so they would need to get on it. Then again, where is the big move? Where is the team willing to sell right now? Where is the team willing to give up the kind of top 30 player that could really help them become the favorite in the West again like they were last year? I'm, I'm not quite sure, but... Uh, they're not going to tank, Dan. I feel comfortable in saying that. Right. Everything else, though, we'll see. Eyes on the table. Thank you, Kellen. Look forward to your coverage tonight. We appreciate you. Thanks, man. Thanks, guys. Appreciate it. Kellen Olson joining us next. It's the Sports Kebab. Stick around. Tim Ring, Dan Bickley, Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Time to take a look at the Arizona Sports Poll Question. Brought to you by Sanderson Ford. The best play is at Sanderson Ford. Welcome back. Final half hour of the show. Bickley Emerald Mornings here on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. I'm Sarah Cazell with Dan Bickley, Tim Ring, and Jarrett Carlin today. We're going to our website, ArizonaSports.com, to look at this daily poll question that we check out every day at 930. All right, we've got one, two, three, four, five different options for you to vote on, guys. Which draft pick will the Cardinals finish with? 
after Sunday's game against the 49ers. It ranges from the number two pick to the number six pick. Where will they finish? They're, they've currently got the fourth. Yeah. I'm gonna I'm gonna take a flyer and predict the Broncos are gonna beat the Chargers. They're gonna end up with the third pick in the draft, and they're gonna be in a great position to trade down out of that pick for somebody who wants a franchise quarterback. And there's a real possibility the Broncos do that because there's a real solid possibility the Chargers are resting a lot of guys mm-hmm. by the time that game kicks off. So three is definitely dangling out there, but just so I don't have the same answer, I'll say ah. the Cardinals lose for the 49ers. The Chargers still beat the Broncos because it's not like they're not a mess. And the Cardinals stick at four. They're not going up to two. The, Bear, right. the Bears have already ruled out Justin Fields. They are good at number right. two. <laughs> All right. Let's place a vote for number four. Oh, yeah. 49% of our voters think the Cardinals are going to stick with that number four pick that they are currently sitting with. 29% say they're going to move up to that number third or number three pick, I should say. 29% voted for that. 14% say the number two pick. 4% say number six. 3% say number five. Thank you, Sarah. Appreciate that. Go Broncos. Thank you. Go Broncos. Yeah. Sure. Are you joking? 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 It's sports news skewered. The sports kebab. All right. This is sports news skewered. You can tell me what you think about it on the uh, FanDuel text line at 620-620 if you want to text yes. us that right now. And I want to start with some exciting news, guys. I have just been named the Speaker of the House. Have you really? Yeah, well, not, not of the House of Representatives. Uh, the House of Pancakes, I've been... Yes, uh, no, it, it... Wait, the International well, House of Pancakes? It okay. took 11 okay. tries, Tim. 11 tries. Eventually, I was voted in after several concessions, included agreeing to take all my payment in sausage gravy. And my first act will be to introduce a new dish, the Rudy Tutti Fresh and Hand Fruity. (laughs) Yes! Yes, so stay tuned for that. And that's not the only exciting thing, guys, because Happy New Year to everyone listening. Happy New Year to you guys. Did you guys have a good New Year's Eve? Yeah, it was fine. Yeah, Yeah. You know, as you get older, you can't really celebrate like you used to. I was very low-key. I spent the night with a bunch of young people, though, and they went a little too hard. Remember when you were younger, you used to do that, you know? Yeah, yeah. yeah. In other words, on New Year's, I pulled a Jay Crowder. I sat on my butt doing nothing while everyone around me staggered and struggled. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, I don't know, guys. I think, in general, I think New Year's Eve is a little overrated. I mean, if I want to watch a ball drop, I'll watch AJ Green Cardinals highlights. Oh! (laughs) Yeah, how about those Cardinals, though? I mean, the season mercifully comes to an end this Sunday. I still can't wrap my head around what happened. I mean, this season plummeted faster than Tesla stock. Uh-huh. <laughs> I mean, this season has been a disaster. How night- much of a disaster How big has a disaster it been? Has it been? <laughs> I mean, the only thing on the Cardinals that has gone right this year is Rondell Moore's pinky. <laughs> I mean, yeah, yeah, did you see the picture of Rondell Moore's bent, no, dislocated like, pinky? Jerry? I'm not saying we've seen a lot of losses this year. 
But even the appendages of Cardinals players look like L's. Oh, yes, they do. <laughs> and Morris Finger isn't even the craziest Cardinals thing this week. I mean, someone sent the retiring J.J. Watt a taxidermied badger. I don't get that at all. I mean, if you're going to send someone something stiff, ugly, and lifeless, it should go to the Cardinals' offense, not the, not the defense. We have an update on Kyler Murray, also with the Cardinals. He had his surgery this week, and there was a lot of talk that he chose to go to Dallas and use their surgeon, which I think was risky. Because while the operation went well, out of habit, the Cowboys surgeon also gave Kyler a nose job, Botox, and a full facelift. <laughs> he looks great, though. Stop. Elsewhere in the NFL, it's looking like after all this, we're going to get Tom Brady and Aaron Rodgers in the playoffs. It's amazing what these guys were able to do late in their career and how different their approaches were this season. Apparently, to turn their seasons around, Brady spoke with dietary experts, athletic scientists, data analysts, nutrition specialists, and strategy consultants. While Rogers spoke with Joe Rogan. <laughs> Whatever works, I guess. Now, will Aaron Rodgers and Tom Brady make one last run this year? I mean, the only thing we know for sure about Rodgers and Brady in this playoffs is that neither will have their families cheering them on from the stands. Oh, 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 oh my God. Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> now poor, the bi- poor Tom. Yeah, oh, yeah. Boy, feel real bad. Now, the, poor, the big story in the NFL this week was DeMar Hamlin. And thank goodness there's been a lot of good news the last couple of days. Uh, he's reportedly doing much better, breathing on his own, even FaceTimed his teammates on the Bills today. This is great, great news. And believe me, no one is happier than Skip Bayless, who once again under fire for some ill-timed, idiotic comments. I just don't get the appeal of Skip, right? He keeps saying dumb things. I mean, the only guy in sports media who puts a foot in his mouth more is Rex Ryan. Oh, oh Jerry. The guy says a lot of dumb things, yeah. Rex Ryan. Oh, yeah. <laughs> a lot of, I mean, Rex, you got to stop. I know. Now, a positive side effect from all this is the generosity fans have shown to DeMar Hamlin's Toy Drive charity. You guys have seen this, right? They've raised over $8 million wow. in the last few days. I mean, that's fantastic. Think of that. With $8 million, you can buy kids thousands and thousands of toys or three PS5s. (laughs) And finally, because that Bills-Bengals game was officially canceled, causing an uneven schedule, later round playoff games could be played at a neutral site. And I am excited about this. Think about it. If they move to an unused... Available domed stadium. It may be the last time we, we get to see a second round playoff game at State Farm for years and years. Oh, oh, Jared. Good job, Jared. Well done. Thank you. I originally wrote play, just playoff game, mm-hmm. and uh, was, that was my big closer. Then I realized the Super Bowl is here this year. Exactly. That joke didn't make any sense, but it's like <laughs> change it. So, thank you very much. All right, that is the sports kebab. If you want more of Jared Carlin, I don't know why, but if you want <laughs> more you? of Jared Carlin, would you? Jared, two R's, two T's, GC. 
That's it. That's on it. Twitter. On Twitter. Thank at you. Jarrett, two R's, two T's, GC. There you go. Thank you, Jarrett. Thank we'll you. come back on the other side, wrap up today's show a little off the grid. Next, you're listening to Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Dan Bickley, Tim Ring, finishing up a busy Friday. Today's song of the day, this, of course, is ACDC. This is Guns for Hire, and it is because today would have been Malcolm Young's 70th birthday. Malcolm Young died from dementia six years ago. He was the rhythm guitarist for ACDC, the backbone of the whole group. In fact, he played a legendary 1963 Gretsch guitar. Angus Young actually showed up at the funeral with a guitar case. People are like, what's going on here? He buried that guitar with Malcolm Young. So in honor of the great Malcolm Young, Guns for Hire by ACDC is your song of the day. Bickley and Murata going off the grid. Off the grid. Brought to you by Sweet James Accident Attorneys. If you've been hurt in an accident, call Sweet James at 800-500-5200 or sweetjames.com. All right, story number one. You knew, remember how Dana White was unveiling a slap fighting league? You remember that goofy thing that started like off in Russia where two guys would take turns slapping each other across the face? Yeah. Yeah, Jared, I can see you rolling your eyes. Uh, that has been delayed. And you know why? Yeah. You I do. know why. Oh, yeah. yeah. Tell us. Uh, there was a video that showed up on New Year's Eve of Dana White actually slapping his wife that has kind of derailed the slap fighting league. Yeah. And it's a little cool. controversial. Do people can do their own research, but ESPN is kind of being told by by management because of their relationship with the UFC and Dana White to uh-huh. to gingerly, I guess, cover that story. Oh, is that right? Yeah, d- oh. yeah, d- yeah. Dig into that one if you want on okay. social media. Not enough time to do it here. But very controversial. They're coming out of Bristol. All right. So, what is the uh, what was the social studies question we needed to get back into, Sarah? You got that handy? Yes, I absolutely do. We were. It was inspired by the fact that you and Gambo very likely will be vacationing <laughs> in Ireland at the same time this summer. In by Kansas. the way, we're Enjoying expecting a YouTube travel. Pints of mead at a uh, too. castle. Yes. Oh, have a pint of mead. Uh-huh. Indeed. You'll be done in a half hour. Yes. <laughs> exactly. So we're asking, what is the weirdest, craziest, most amazing coincidence you have ever experienced oh. in life? That's a good question. Um, yeah, I've, I've actually got one that it, that pops to my head. So in 1993, I come to Phoenix, Arizona. I spend eight days here, and I'm, I was covering the 93 NBA Finals for the Chicago Sun-Times. So I'm a part of the Chicago media, and I come out here, and I have this very eventful trip, and I tried climbing Camelback Mountain without water like the idiot that I am, and I had to beg for water from people who were on their way down. And I finally get back, and, and I tell my wife, man, that Phoenix, Arizona is a really interesting place. And she's like, yeah, I know. I've got family who live there. Can we please move there? I really want to live there. And I said, babe, listen, 
Yeah, no, not happening. They've got two major professional sports. They're celebrating a losing basketball team. Never going to happen. Five years later, I get the job as the columnist of the Arizona Republican. Here I am. And the rest is history. And the rest is history. I got to honest, Jared, I hope you have a good story because I do not. And I don't want to bore anybody with a a bad story. With a bad story. I don't blame you. I'm going to pass. And I'll keep trying to think. But We appreciate that. What do you got? Ferret? I told earlier about John Bloom being on my honeymoon with me. That was pretty good. Oh, that's right. That's right. Yeah, that was tremendous. Okay, we've got some... I can't think of anything great right now. Uh, My life is pretty boring. So, we're going to go to our listeners instead. How about that? Sounds good. Maggie Leach says she was moving back to Arizona. Uh, Was in a U-Haul. She made a pit stop in Tulsa, Oklahoma. She went to use the ladies' room, but had to wait because it was in use. The person who exited the restroom was one of her friends from grade school from Arizona. Wow. In Tulsa. How about that? I know. What Can you imagine? What are the odds of that? Multiple states of... Yeah. That one pit stop. Yeah, that's kind of wild. Uh, let's see. Chad Rudinger says, my first time ever listening to the Burns and Gambo show, I heard Burnsy yell straight up two o'clock. I yelled back at the radio. It was like 2.05. And immediately Dave Burns said, yeah, 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 I know. It's not exactly two o'clock. And it kind of freaked me out. Uh, This one is interesting. Maybe a little bit chilling. I don't know. From Jimmy from Philly. He says, I used to play softball in Chandler. I would always take the same way home. Always. But on this particular day, I decided to take a different route. About a mile into my new route, sitting in the middle of the road was a baby. I jumped out of the car and scooped the baby up. Wild. Wow. He doesn't say where he took the baby. But can you imagine? No. A baby sitting in the middle of the road? No, thank you. Uh, final oh, ones from Frank G. I'd like to know the rest uh, of the it? story. Oh my gosh. And I I don't see a coincidence there, but that's a heck of a story. <laughs> he just lost the baby there's earlier a, in the day. There's well, a baby in the middle of the road. <laughs> the, the fact that the one time he decides to take a different route, he is there to save this baby. I think that's what he's getting. Oh, I Okay, see. so at okay. age 18. Okay. Yes. At age 18, Frank worked a summer at Glacier National Park in Montana. Every Sunday, a very nice elderly couple came to eat at the restaurant he worked at. Two years later, the staff of that restaurant had a reunion in Tucson. They were all in the hotel lobby reminiscing about what a sweet elderly couple they were. Looked across the room. That couple was sitting there. Just what? By coincidence? coincidence. Just on vacation in Tucson. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> Well, that's a good question. But the fact that that's they were all in Montana and then they all went to Tucson. Yeah. That is a good question. That's crazy. Like that. Thank you, Sarah. All right. Finally, yeah. did you see that uh, Charles Thanks, Barkley swore on... Oh, no. You didn't see that? Whoop. You, did, you didn't, I see didn't that. Know, I didn't see that. Okay. I yeah, saw he was making was fun last of night? Skip Bayless. Yeah, he dropped a real bad word on TNT, but I, I in watching it a second time, I think it was kind of on purpose. Okay. I don't know if you saw it. I did not Ooh. I did not catch it. Okay. I'll just leave it at there. We don't what did he go. call him? No, we'll just leave it there. Go, You can find it. You, you <laughs> can check it out just now. <laughs> swore. I'll just Google what? all my favorite all right, bad words. Your, your, uh, your predictions, Tim Ring, for the Cardinals this weekend. The 49ers will call off the dogs. Let's go Let's go 31-13, San Francisco. Yeah, that's. I think I like that. 24-10. 24-10, 31-13, that kind of game. Yeah. 
Yeah. All right, and then we're going to get... 24-9. Well, yeah. And uh, trust me, folks, we're going to have a very interesting show when we convene Whoa. on Monday. Vinny will be back and things will be happening. Mm. Things will definitely be happening. All right, on the way out the door, we need to thank Kurt Warner, who joined us. We need to thank Kellen Olson, who joined us. I need to thank my buddy, Tim Ring, for oh, a great sure. week of filling in, Ringer. Well done. Thank Sarah, you, work, thank you. Thank Sarah you, working you. on like two hours sleep after the game from her hotel room. Well well done, Ruthless. And of I'm course, about to go you now. ferret. You Bye. ferret. See you, ferret. I'm Dan Bickley. Luke and Wolf are next. See you next week, folks. You're listening to Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Speaking of Rondale Moore, did you see that photo he put on Instagram oh, yesterday? Oh, my goodness. Yeah, it he's looked got a dislocated fake. pinky. It was so... It's it's like every one of his fingers is pointing north. His pinky is pointing west. Yeah. Your, your, your pinky should not be signaling a first down. Hello, y'all. Hello, Mr. Hello. Bickley. Okay, Tim Ring. This is the Jared Carlin experience. Bickley, you social misfit. Whoa, rhymes with cow. <laughs> he moved it down the field. Wow. Yeah, he said, I'm not mad. I'm just disappointed. But I'm also mad. I moistened my mouth with the uh, I want to hear that. I he moistened, moistened my mouth. PR stands for uh, pour that rum, baby. Pour that rum, baby. I got some in my trunk, baby. All Sorry night long, baby. Uh, uh, fired. What? What the hell is this? Oh, it's always DA's fault. The Sacramento Kings. Wow. Chicka, blow, blow. <laughs> Here's a guy, Al. Here's a guy, Al. <laughs> booty, booty, booty. Rocking everywhere. Major Tutty. Tutty, Tutty, Tutty. Tutty, Tutty. The old fourth preseason game yeah. gag. Blow for blow. Rehabbing his thumbs. Your oh. thumbs look strong. <laughs> Mustache. <laughs> Take a seat, Carlin. More like H. blow O. When I think about natural gas. Yes, I think about Jarrett Carlin. But he looked pretty okay actually. Shut up, Tim! Don't make that noise into the mic ever again.